on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Job Dean Cox again, this time he's in! At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equalizer for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orion from each end Lay an Orion from each end and a very good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome along to another edition of the Orient Hour. I'm Andy Gilson in the Brentwood studios of Phoenix 98FM, joined by a veritable trio here in the studio, an Orient legend, Mr. Terry Howard. How are you, Tel? Yeah, good evening, I would help if I turned your mic up. I'm staring at you. Go on, have, a, have another go. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Good evening, Terry. And uh, Jaden Christie joins us for the first time in the studio. Good evening, Jaden. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, everyone. And who are you? I've forgotten who you are now. I'm Gareth, Andy. Yeah, Gareth, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, apart from people not remembering my name. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm only mucking about. I'm, not, I'm, in a, I'm in a jokey mood at the moment. There you go. Now, Mark Devlin will be joining us uh, on the show, but uh, he's currently uh, stuck in terrible traffic, and uh, we're estimating around about half past seven we'll... Uh, try and get hold of Mark if he's made it back in, in one piece and uh, ready to speak to us so we'll have to uh, talk about all the other things we were going to talk about beforehand so Gareth first of all um, it was a difficult day um, for Orient to manage last uh, last weekend but uh, I think they did it well didn't they? Yeah, no, I thought the, the the club handled a very difficult situation very well. I mean, obviously, what happened on Tuesday night was unforeseen, unplanned, unpredicted, uh, and kind of threw everybody. It was a very emotional time. And I think we all felt that going into the game on Saturday. Uh, but I think it kind of felt almost cathartic, didn't it? It felt like the club handled it well. It was a chance for people to express emotion, to express understanding and condolences, etc. So, yeah, I think it, it was a sad day, but, it, but it, it was the best way we could possibly respond to what was an awful happening on Tuesday. Tuesday, really, so. And Terry, I mean, uh, the, the players are obviously traumatised some of the other people through what went on. I mean, they had to show a lot of character to get back out there and do the business, didn't they? Yeah, and they did that. Um, as Gareth said, it was handled in the best possible way in very difficult circumstances. The boys done Derek Proud by winning the game, which was the ultimate tribute to him. But I thought all round it, it was... Um, it was done in a, a special way, a caring way, and um, I don't think we could have done it any better. No, and uh, Jaden, I mean, the, the the team really, I mean, the, the result really did Reading a bit of favours because there was a, a gulf between the two sides, wasn't there? 
I think so. I think the first sort of 20, 30 minutes of the game, we were really dominant. And if you're being totally honest, I think we probably should have put the game to bed there and then. And it looked like if we'd have grabbed the second goal, then that would have been the case. And obviously, we seemed to sort of drop off a little bit and they got on top and probably deservedly maybe got back in level terms. But I think second half, we really stamped our authority on the game and became deserved winners, albeit late on. But it was a very fitting way to win the game as well, especially with the afternoon and the occasion. Yeah, indeed. I'll tell you what we'll do early doors. We'll uh, listen to Richie and what he had to say about things. Richie, thanks for joining us. An emotional afternoon and a big result. Yeah, really emotional. I thought the club as a whole today, I thought from the, from the moment that Derek's family led the, the players out to the very, very last steps that the players walked on the pitch and they applauded his family. Um, I think it was a, a brilliant day. For the, for the football club brilliant day to remember a, a lifelong support someone who's worked for the club so um, I couldn't be proud of the whole club um, and it just goes to show again we, how, how many good people we've got at this club and you had to work hard for that win we did in the end I think for the first half an hour it was total dominance we made a load of chances we hit the crossbar there's loads and loads of ricochets in and around their six yard box I thought we were really really dominant they changed their shape when they play that 4-2-2-2 it's quite easy to play to play pass, we've I've watched him quite a little, quite a bit, and when he played that four two, he's quite easy to play around. But then the game was once we go one nil up, they changed a little bit. The press became different, and we're still trying to play. And they blocked us, they blocked us up a little bit. So, you know, we just, we're we're an emerging team. We're still young. We're still a little bit naive in in certain moments. And tactically, we have to get better while the game is while the game is happening. But I can't I can't be proud of the players. The the points returned in the last eight or nine games has been has been really really good so another good day for us and a special strike from Jordan Brown I thought Jordan was excellent he epitomises everything that we wanted to do today picked up pockets switched play very good in control uh, so in possession and then his technique to keep the bottle you see a lot of players go to, to side volley that they, they skew it over or they scuff it into the ground and it hits bodies but you know we know that technically he's a really good footballer again we just want to we don't want to rush him we want to produce him and keep him coming along once he he learns the, the, the characteristics in terms of a character and the leadership skills and the, and the motivational skills and his vocal skills in midfield, which midfield players need because they're knitted to everything, to every part of the game. I think he's going to be a, a really, a really, really good player. Eleven corners and the eleventh caused all sorts of problems. Yeah, we weren't great from our corners, mainly on the delivery, but we got that delivery spot on. Um, and Monks, I'm pleased for Monks because he's not he's had it hard over the last couple of weeks coming out of the team, but. Great character, great lad, great person to work with every single day and I'm pleased that he got the winner. I'm sure you'll be disappointed in the manner of the Reading goal. Yeah, I mean, I pride myself on throw-ins and we were in the wrong position, we're too slow, we, we don't work hard enough out of possession. Um, we get, we allow an easy throw-in to the striker, we have no screen. The striker then sets out to the winger who has no pressure on him, an easy ball in our box and we've got three centre-halves. You know, I thought, I thought Ballard was a threat today, I think he's sharp, but he shouldn't be winning, winning headers in a in and around our six yard box um, comes off the post and then the lads obviously done well to, to, to get the rebound in so poor goal from our point of view It's not been easy for Max Anders since his summer move and how bad is the injury? Yeah I mean maybe his because he was in a really good rhythm and maybe um, him coming off just upset our rhythm a little bit um, but I think you can see from the time he's spent on the pitch especially in that eight roll which is a little bit more advanced his quality in the final third his, his energy um so we're just disappointed he broke his toe and then he got ill and he's found it difficult to get back in the team but um, you know, we finally think he's up and running and potential hamstring. 
What's going to happen? As he's played so well on Tuesday night, what's going to happen to that um, match and the result against Lincoln City now? I have, I have no idea. Honestly, he's been, in terms of what happens, is, is the last thing on my mind for the last 72 hours. Um, we leave it to the FL and, and whatever they decide, we respect. Been a tough 72 hours for everybody, the players, the staff, you know, emotionally and in terms of me motivating myself to get going. Yesterday to take the team, I found it really tough. Um, but as I said at the start, when you come in, you work with good people, good staff, good players, good people around the club. They lift you, and hopefully today, everybody has been lifted. And hopefully that was a performance and a last-minute winner to live it to, you know, to remember Derek's memory. Changing to next weekend, an international break, but no break for the O's. Up to Carlisle. Yeah, we. We've got Omar who's been called up. We've got Ed Turns who's been called up. Ethan Galbraith doesn't look like he's going to come off the standby list. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, it would be... I don't really want to change the team at the moment because we look fluid in a lot of areas. But um, you know, if that's the case, then we have to obviously rejig things. The one thing we've got is Jordan Graham is so unlucky. He just felt a tight hamstring. We took him out of the team. And he's come on to... I thought TJ was excellent. He got the game back on our terms. Um, so we have got a big squad where we've got really good good lads who are training well if we if we lose a couple then we're ready to take their spot thank you Richie. thank you, thank you. there you go that's uh, Richie speaking to Dave Victor and talking to Dave Victor tell you what let's have this week's uh, Victor's view shall we I felt so proud of our club by the way we came together to remember Derek Reynolds I was humbled by the dignity shown by his son Matthew and his family as they joined the players around the centre circle for a minute's applause to honour a lifelong Lake Noyant supporter. Credit has to go to the staff of the club for how quickly they acted and the quality of their organisation that they put in place to ensure that Derek's memory would be the main focus of the day. The scarf and flowers on Derek's seat were captured on the cover of the matchday programme and this part of the East Stand was the focus for the two captains of the O and the Royals, the flowers they laid remained in place throughout the whole game. The standing ovation in the 84th minute, respected by Reading supporters, and I'm sure Derek's family will take comfort from the moving messages in the Book of Remembrance. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the exceptional work of the stewards, medical staff and paramedics who acted with such professionalism under difficult circumstances last week. Both sets of supporters, players and coaching staff demonstrating understanding and respect. Amidst such high emotion, credit has to be given to the players for the focus and resolve that they showed to achieve an important victory on Saturday. Just as he was against his former club, Lincoln City, Max Sanders outstanding. Tidy on the ball, positive in his decision-making. His pace and control offered a constant threat. And on Saturday, we were at their best before the 24-year-old sustained a hamstring injury. Let's hope it's not a serious one. He deserves better luck since Max's move in the summer. He's broken his toe and been taken ill. It was, of course, his cross that Reading struggled to clear that set up the opportunity for Jordan Brown, which he took so well. And it was good to see George Moncur score the late winner. The way he celebrated showed just how much it meant to him. Another international weekend coming up, but there'll be no break for Richie Wellens' side, who head up to the far north to take on a Carlisle United team determined to build on a remarkable performance and victory in front of over 4,000 travelling supporters at Bolton. It's now four goals in two league games for Jordan Gibson. United, though, have only gained one home league win since returning to League One following their playoff victory over Stockport County. 
That was against Shrewsbury in early September. And on Tuesday night in the EFL Trophy, the Foxes experienced another setback at home, losing to Nottingham Forest youngsters by two goals nil. Carlisle have every reason to feel aggrieved by Orient's victory and the manner in which it was achieved last season. The performance of the referee, Thomas Parsons, so bad that the EFL wrote a letter of apology to the Carlisle chairman. Finally, Portsmouth's comfortable win over Gillingham puts Pompey top of the group on five points, three points ahead of the O's. The two sides meet at Brisbane Road on the 7th of November. Thanks very much, Dave. And we're doing things a bit back to front uh, this evening because obviously uh, we'll be speaking later to Mark. So uh, we're bringing forward what we would have played later in the programme and we'll have a, a Roper's rant in a little while. But first of all, let's go back to Saturday, Terry. And the way the side was set up, were you 100% happy with that or would you have made a couple of changes yourself? I, I think I was happy with, to start with. Um, I think when Sanders come off... Um, I would have brought Jordan Graham on there. I, I just felt that we lost a little bit of momentum. We went a little bit narrower uh, with George Moncur that side. Um, I think that Reading probably had their best 15 minutes of the game in that little spell and the equaliser was coming. I think when Richie made his second lot of changes, it, the, the balance was restored. And I thought we, uh, as been said earlier on by Jaden, we, we ran out, you know, deserved winners in the end, albeit late. But the, the balance of the team looked better. We looked we looked happier uh, in the way we we, uh, we set up after the second set of changes. Yeah, I mean, people do talk about some of Richie's uh, substitutions, Gareth. I mean, uh, overall, uh, he must be getting more right than he's getting wrong, surely. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say. I mean, I've, I've been thinking for a while. I'm still not 100% sure he knows what his first choice 11 is or even how to set them up because he said a couple of times, I mean, well, we've had good results recently. It's been with three at the back, hasn't it, pretty much? And he said consistently he doesn't want to play that way. You know, so I'm wondering, you know, was he was it geared up to be prepared to be able to switch like that? Or or was it more to do with 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 picking horses for courses? Or is it just kind of happenstance? Because the, t- the performance against Lincoln and then the performance against Reading, it seemed like he almost stumbled on some options because Beckles was injured and Galbraith was suspended. So it's almost like try players that perhaps he wasn't expecting to try and it seemed to have worked. I was particularly impressed with Sanders in, in both those games. I, di- I was under the impression, and I, I think, don't think I got it wrong, that he was a sitting midfielder with a good passing range. But he looks like a really nailed on number 10. And I actually said to the guy in front of me at the game, I said, he looks like a, a version of Moncur with pace, doesn't he? You know, the way he was playing. And I think it was a real shame that he went off injured. And I think that kind of inhibited us a bit. I'm not sure we got made the right replacement at no, the same I, time, though. But yeah. when, when I think we've looked at our best this season is when we've got the ball in wide areas early and got the mm. ball in. in the, early in the game on Saturday, I think Theo got about three crosses in. Uh, caused problems for their defence. I think when we went, went away to Exeter, was it twenty odd? Was it twenty odd crosses plus in the game? We look at our best when we get the ball. I think we, sometimes we have this this thing of overpassing a little bit. I think we're at our best, as I say, when we get the ball wide early. I think most teams look best when they get the ball wide early. You know, and I know speaking as an old defender, how difficult it is when crosses come in early because you're not set. And I just, I just think sometimes we sort of move away from that a little bit um, and then drift through games where we have periods where there's a bit too much passing. I think sometimes as well, when you look at how 
good Jordan Graham's delivery is. For me, I look at the box and what we've got in there and sometimes I think we just lack someone that's a bit aggressive, maybe a target man type player that can get on the end of it because the quality of delivery is superb. But a lot of the time, the chances just kind of go begging because you've not got that sort of willing target man running onto the end of it, being aggressive enough to get in between the bodies in defence to sort of get on the end of it. I think that is one angle of the team where maybe we're lacking right now. What was good to see was the fact that, and you're right what you say, uh, Jaden. Uh, but what was good to see, the first goal, it came from a wide area. They won the ball, but we we actually had bodies in the box and, and Jordan Brown's got on that on that second ball. You know, we don't necessarily have to win the first ball, but we've got to have bodies in, in the, the right areas to deal. You know, sometimes I say we pass, pass, pass and we don't get enough bodies for me in dangerous areas, which we maybe are starting to do. And as I say, Jordan Brown, the finish was, I, I, as he, I, went, I called it just before, you could see he just walks up and, and with his technical ability, that was a fantastic finish. I think, I think it's really important, important point about stretching the teams though, that we're making because at Fleetwood, where we didn't play well, he swapped over Graham and Archibald. I mean, I know they're basically wing backs, but that's where the width comes from and it didn't work. And so this is what I'm kind of saying about, is he 100% sure about how he wants to play or is he trying to match it for different teams and different approaches and trying to change the team? But for me, it seems like exactly what you described, Tell. It's, it's essentially you know, playing a 3-4-3, 4-3-3 type setup with proper width mm. and a target man in the box. I think it's probably the way to go. I mean, there's arguments about whether Pig is able to fill that role as a, as a bona fide number nine, but mm. that seems to be the most likely approach, doesn't I think, it? So? I think when we play at home, we can definitely like, adopt that more, you know, a bit, bit more in their face type. You know, as I say, play on the front foot. Okay, away from home, maybe we've got be a little bit more um, conservative in how we set up, but certainly when we're at home, I, I said uh, off air that when Gal, I mean Galbraith is available now. For, for me, Jordan Brown holding the midfield with, with Elmis and, and Galbraith, he's, he's, he's got so much ability with it. Jordan Brown, uh, sorry, Jordan Graham on one wing, Theo on the other. Whoever playing up up the up the middle, that them five players are going to cause problems for any team as long as we say move that ball quick. I think maybe it's getting used to something new because if you look at last season, the dynamics were very similar. You know, you had that 4-3-3 with Monker playing more advanced behind the forward player. And where now you've gone up a level and things are starting to change, hence why you might have three centre-halves drop into a back five with a back five. It's more away from home as well. It's quite a lot of interchange with formations in between games. I think that ability to adapt is actually starting to help us. I think... You know, you can't just rely on one thing. So that, for me, has actually been a really good feature of uh, Wellens' management of yeah. the team. We, we said, like, you look last year, our success was based on we dominated possession in most games. We didn't score loads and loads of goals, but we controlled so many games. And we said, right, in, from, from like uh, before the season started, said that it's not going to be like that this season. You're not going to be able to dominate teams. So we've got to find another way. And as we said, alluded to already, I think Richie's yeah, finding his feet with it. Um, some, sometimes you say by luck more than judgment who does it how you get there but um, yeah as I, I, I just said I think on Saturday I mean really looking at the game it could easily have been 3-4-5 you know uh, we got there in the end but it was it was it was encourage, it's encouraging because I, I'm, I'm starting to see a, a better shape to our team I'm starting to see players kind of getting used to what it's going to take to maintain that position and improve it. Uh, and I think it's the same off the pitch with Richie and his coaching staff. I think they're understanding. And listen, Richie knows football, we know that. But as you said earlier, Gareth, sometimes it takes a while to, to actually suss out. We've got a lot more options now. There's, there's a lot more options with this team. And as I say, when Dan Aguilar, um is fit, 
I think that's going to be a, a, a lovely thing to have, especially away from home with his pace, you know, and being able to turn teams around. I think that's really true. I mean, I think, I think having options is wonderful, but you also have to know what the best approach is, don't you? And I think the really interesting thing was two players who perhaps, well, Sanders we didn't know a lot about, and Rob Hunt, who didn't start the season particularly well, they were really good in those last two games. It was a really good combination down the right-hand side. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, one stat that came up this week, uh, guys, was the uh, longest-serving players in the division, and uh, our longest-serving players, uh, Dan Happ. I think it's Dan a testament to him when you think as well, because... If you look six years ago, which I think was the yeah. spell, um, back then he's, what, 17, <coughs> 16, obviously under that Bichetti regime coming mm -hmm. into the team. But if you look at the, for a 17, 16-year-old at the time, he's virtually, minus a few injuries, played the whole way through that. And to think he's, what, 23, 24, I think it's impressive to, to yeah, look at the amount of games he's got under his belt as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's one of those players. We, we, we kept saying a couple of seasons ago, tell, you know, we expected a bit more from him and... Then he started to show it, and then he got a terrible injury, and he showed a lot of character to come mm. back. And are, are you impressed with him? Yeah. Well, listen, we, we talked about Dan a lot, and, and we sort of questioned whether he was going to be good enough to go up a division. I think he's held his own this season. You know, all right, he lacks a little bit of pace, but he hasn't been, you know, I think when he got sent off, he got, you know, he sort of got, was a bit vulnerable there, got sort of um, isolated. But generally speaking, you know, he's been one of our most consistent players this season, and fair play to him. As you say, it takes... It takes a bit of um, character to come back from bad injuries. And um, he's, no, he's, he's, he's pleasantly surprised me this season. Do you know what I thought this season when he come back? I think he looks like he's grown into his body a bit more. I feel like he looks like he's filled out. He looks more of a man. And I think that's helping him, obviously, with the uh, physicality side of the game. And I think where you say he lacks a bit of pace, that now he's making up for in terms of aggression and being uh, onto first contacts and things like that. And I think he's really sort of filled into his body. I think it's obviously standing him well. Oh, I like that. You say he looks more like a, more, more like a man. You do know he can box, don't you? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, maybe I should have pulled that comment back. But no, he, he's, he's been really impressive this No, he this has, season. yeah. And what Terry said, he, he, he may lack a little bit of pace, Terry, but if, if you've got the intelligence to read the game, which he has, then that, that really is... is, is uh, he never stopped John Terry. Negated. <laughs> because he worked it out. You know, said you, you work out, you cover up your, like, your shortcomings... And you work out what you have to do. And you say you've got to get... In. His positional play's probably got better because of it. Mm. Because he can't rely... If you look at someone like Carl Walker, I always say Carl Walker's actually not a great defender. He's, his positional play's poor. But he's, he's got exceptional pace, which gets him out of jail so many times. You know, when you say John Terry, um, Bobby Moore all them years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, Bobby fan, Moore was... Fantastic at yeah. reading the game. It actually yeah. sort of... It wasn't improves fast. Your, improves the other areas of your game because you can't rely on, on the pace. So, oh, no. and, and to say, Dan's sort of finding his feet, so to speak, in that, in that uh, perspective. OK, well, before we uh, carry on and uh, eventually, hopefully, get through to Mark, we'll have uh, this week's Roper's Rant, shall we? It's been another strange and very telling or so 10 days down the O's. On the pitch, we lost a game we should have won up on the northwest coast. We defeated, and deservedly so, a Reading side that both on and off the pitch looked in real trouble. And sandwiched in between, we had the tragic events of last week in which Derek Reynolds sadly lost his life during the home game with Lincoln. I, like many others, cannot add much more to the very sad incident at home to the Imps, apart from saying this. As a club, and by that I mean everyone, including the board, the staff, the players, the management, and of course the supporters, we did what we always do in E10 and showed an undying unity to rally around Derek's family. And as a club, 
I, again, like many others, no doubt can feel hugely proud of the way we conducted ourselves from the minute Derek fell ill to the end of the 90 minutes with Reading, capped off with a beautifully respectful round of applause directed towards members of Derek's family. And if he was looking down on all of us, then I'm sure he was doing so with a smile. And of course, whilst it might seem somewhat immaterial, grabbing the three points was a fitting tribute to him. RIP Derek, we salute you, sir. Also, very quickly, I must pass on my thanks to Lincoln, who, as a club, conducted themselves with the greatest of respect throughout the game and following the tragic incident that occurred at Leighton Stadium. Before I deal with on-the-pitch matters, I cannot move on without a few words on the officials and the AFL. I posted up on social media that very night that people should be very aware of posting knee-jerk reactions. Incidents like this, thank God, are very few and far between. But as things developed, it was clear that the EFL guidelines are for games to continue. It is my belief that there was likely a bit of miscommunication between all parties involved. And once Derek reached the sidelines, it was clear the game couldn't continue. But in this instance, I do not necessarily blame the referee. He is human, and no doubt following those tragic events, he, like many of us, felt rather numb. The problem, therefore, lies in the guidelines, which I definitely think need looking at and or changing. It is hugely unfortunate that change only sometimes comes about when incidents like this take place. And I personally believe that the Fans Trust, of which I am, of course, a board member, should be doing something about going forward. So, on to the football. Fleetwood, I didn't go, but reports and stats say that come 45 minutes, we should have been out of sight. I think we've got to mark this one down in the columns of frustrating and missed opportunity. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, this is the way the season will likely pan out. We'll win a few, lose a few, draw a few. The wins and the losses won't always tell the story of the actual 90 minutes in each game, though. But what will be hugely important is that if we are to grow, is to ensure that games such as this are won towards the end of the season and then certainly become victories in 24, 25 and beyond. The Lincoln game, we deserve to be in the lead. And whilst it is my belief that the game will be replayed, and I sincerely hope we win, it is, of course, very annoying that the EFL seemingly do not have hard and fast rules on such. And like the guidelines read medical emergencies I spoke about previously, it is something that needs to be looked into, especially as it rolls around our usual friendly word of integrity. Saturday's encounter with Reading was a hugely enjoyable game for several reasons. We played some good football. We defended pretty well, apart from the Cole, which was one of those that just looked like more akin to a Sunday grassroots game. We got the decision-making right in most areas and, of course, deserved the three points. Yes, Reading looked disjointed and lacking both ability in any real fight, but as the saying goes, you can only beat what is in front of you. And despite the disgusting defeat at home to Stevenage, we are now building some lovely momentum in our own backyard, and that's something that will be very important throughout this campaign. It is crazy to think that had the Lincoln game finished, or we had been awarded, say, the win, we'd now be in ninth. Yes, ninth. You heard that right, ninth. And whilst you couldn't make it up, even the EFL table until Monday had us in ninth. Hey, look, let's not get carried away here. But I defy any later Orient fan not to have a smile and a brandy, as well as immense pride and excitement for the future if we do finish ninth this season.
There's no reason why we couldn't, though. I refer back to Richie Wellens' extended interview on Radio London pre-season when he talked about not fearing this league and that we had the ability to hurt teams. I still haven't seen any side to be scared of. Yes, Portsmouth were hugely, hugely efficient, although, boy, did we give them a big helping hand, and Evans did do an ugly job on us. But even in defeat, we have shown that we're not here to make up the numbers. The division's starting to take shape, and in fact, if you look at the top ten, it has at least seven of the bookies' fancies in that top ten. But at this stage, do any of them look unbeatable? No, in my opinion, it's a firm no. So what next? As we head into the second quarter of the season, it is vital we strive to make every 90 minutes a competitive match in which we can pick up points. And it is my belief that following Stevenage and a bit of a reset, we have done that and will continue to do so. If we do, then a mid-table finish, perhaps even a top 10 finish, albeit the lower end of, is well and truly within our grasp. And then we can say, over this season, it is a job well done. Enjoy your week. Up the mighty O's. Thanks very much, uh, Matt Roper, for another rant. And just uh, before we we try the phone lines, um, obviously we touched on uh, he touched on the events of uh, last Tuesday, and I I will say to the listeners that um, the guys of the panel um, contacted me quite uh, soon. Well, during the event, and because it, it, it was quite a protracted event, obviously, and uh, said they really didn't feel like doing the show. And I, I actually, at the time, said to them, "Well, let's just wait and see what what uh, what the outcome is before we decide." But by eleven o'clock, we'd had the, the, the bad news message, and obviously, immediately we we decided the best thing to do was um, not broadcast the show last week. Which uh, I think, uh, and Lowdown did the same with their podcast as well. And I think uh, a lot of people sort of did the same with relative things. And you spoke to to the family on the uh, weekend, Terry. Yes, I had a chance to speak to them afterwards and um, they wanted to like everyone to know um, how well they thought the club, the supporters, everyone connected with the club um, dealt with the day. Um, as I say, it's never an easy day, but um, the, the, the happy maybe doesn't sound like an appropriate word when, mm. when we're talking about you know what, what happened, but you know they, they, they were absolutely delighted that the, the response and I, I just said that the, the thing that, that, that really got me was when, when on 84 Minutes, all the crowd start, started singing, he's one of our own. And, and, and that, mm. I, I actually got quite emotional. And um, I just thought it was a lovely tribute from, from everyone at the club. And, and I know that the family wanted me to sort of convey their... Lovely. Their, their best wishes to everyone for, for how they were treated. Yeah, and good uh, good work from the Supporters Club who had a collection that raised over £1,000 and I can tell you that uh, 90% of that will go to the JE3 Foundation and the rest to uh, Cats Protection in Waltham Forest, I think. Um, right, let's uh, let's chance, chance my arm here. Oh, this is just the thing with live radio. You're, uh, you chance your arm, you never know whether these things are going to work. So we're hoping that uh, it's going to ring and get answered as we try Mark Devlin if he's home that is of course isn't it exciting because everyone else is they're looking up <laughs> grinning here <laughs> hello hello Mark and Sandy Hi. how are you hello how you doing yeah I'm alright Mark we can hear you okay so uh, can you hear us okay that end Sadly, it's still very distant. I don't quite know what is, um, what 
what's wrong when you call me, but it, uh, again, it, it sounds like you're at the other end of a hall, but um, we'll, we'll do our best again. Okay, right. Well, uh, hopefully, um, I'll turn things up a little bit here, and hopefully... On this number no 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 it doesn't work i'm no. afraid no 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 <laughs> so hopefully you can hear me enough to uh to conduct the interview and uh, bring us up to date on any uh, commercial events that are happening uh, mark first of all I'm struggling to hear you again can you will you give me a ring back yeah okay we'll call you back thanks cheers isn't it fun <laughs> oh dear there we go. There we go. You never know what's going to happen with live radio, do you? Never mind. Right. Uh, where are we? Okay. Let's send that call. And um, we'll start again. And hopefully, hopefully, we can uh, get Mark. Hopefully, get him on the line. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hopefully. Hopefully that's a little bit better for you, Mark. I don't know. But um, if you could uh, bring us up to date on the commercial activities at the moment. Bring you up to date, bring you up to date on commercial activities? Uh, yep. Okay. When you're ready. Hello. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Okay. Uh, so um, the, com the commercial team uh, continue to be really busy throughout the year. Um, uh, I think I've mentioned it previously that we've managed to increase um, the revenue uh, that we've generated from the front of the shirt. Um, Philip Wichelow and Sterling have very kindly taken the, the sleeve uh, sponsorship of uh, the, 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 the first team sleeve, which um, is a new opportunity for us, and we thank them for their support. Uh, more Kingston Smith continue to support us and put him on the back of our kits and on the back of our shorts. Uh, all of those have very kindly entered into agreements with um, uh, increased rates. And Rethink uh, have also um, taken a new uh, relationship with us and a new contract with us at, at an increased rates. And we thank all of those companies and the others for their support. Um, we've managed to bring in quite a few. We, we lost very few park commercial partners last year. A few new ones have joined us. Uh, there's a few more in the offing, which the guys are just putting together the final pieces. Contracts were signed on a couple of them this week, and they're just agreeing the, uh, the press release around those. So there are a few more commercial contracts. Um, so much so that we have... We probably only have now about four or five minutes left of LED to sell which we're currently using for in-house promotions for shirts and tickets and hospitality and things like that. Um, and we continue to look for some other uh, partners. So commercial revenue is running well ahead of last year. Uh, we, we, we set a very stretching target commercial, so we've still got lots of work to do, but it's good to see that it's doing you know, so well um, versus last season. You would, also, you would always expect an increase because we've moved up a division that the commercial team have done an exceptionally good job so far. Um, hospitality is beginning to pick up and get uh, busier. The, the, two, the, the three for two promotion worked well. We'll continue to do some targeted promotions throughout the year. Um, but that's, that's working well. We, a lot of our time now is spent for the first time outbounding calls, calling people that have been with us previously, expressed interest in our, um, uh, in our, in our hospitality at various levels. 
So rather than waiting for people to call, obviously we're being a bit more proactive, and that certainly had an effect. And and the the next two home games, uh, league home games, that is Barnsley and Oxford, are already very well sold uh, in terms of hospitality. So that that is beginning to pick up. It's still a bit short of our revenue target, but what I should say, it's well ahead of last year's figures in hospitality. So things are things are, are, are pretty positive on the commercial front, but. Um, a club like ours has to continue to work really hard, you know, one of 13, 14 clubs in London uh, to make our voice known and to make sure people understand what they can, what they can get at Leighton Orient and give them a good reason for partnering with us. Yeah, now also you had a, a bit of a, a challenge with the gallery area, didn't you? A few complaints uh, when you changed things there. Now, is there anything afoot to uh, sort anything out after the matches there? Well... I'm not sure I'd call it a challenge, but it's a sort of change of direction for the club. I made a decision that people are paying uh, quite a lot of money to be in the gallery for the facility. I I felt it should be for their use and it shouldn't just be used as a general bar after the game. Um, As you will know, and I'm sure people have come to you, there were (coughs) lots of people disagreed with that. I think I've mentioned previously that we've surveyed all of the members of the the gallery uh, and we got... um, uh, we got in equal measure, in equal percentages, people saying, members saying, let's keep it exclusive, and others saying, let's go back to the way it was. The overwhelming, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, the, 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 the most favoured response is that members should be allowed to um, uh, introduce uh, and invite a couple of uh, friends along at the end of each game. And that's that, given that that's what the uh, majority of members asked for, that's what we're looking to put into place. Uh, we'd, we'd like to have done it already. We continue to um, work on the admin of that. Sadly, things over the past couple of weeks have just pushed that back a little bit down our priority list. But we're hoping to um, put that in place just as soon as we can, uh, we can work out the administration behind it and making sure that it's done, it's done correctly. Yeah, I mean, I, I read, a, you know, all the, all the things online that were people were putting. My, my concern was when people were saying about, oh, it was great to have... I'm really ju- sorry, I can't hear you. Ah, can you hear me any better now? Is that any better? Okay, go on. Yeah, when people were saying it's great to have uh, children running around, etc., my concern there was an insurance claim. If somebody has an accident, uh, they'll soon be running in to make a claim against the club. So I think the club needed to protect against that sort of eventuality. <laughs> sorry, guys. I... I'm really struggling to hear your, 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 the full comments there. Um, sorry. Okay. Technical issues. That's all right. We'll move on. It's uh, right. Questions from the uh, message you board. It, Abby? I'm not trying to avoid the question, but uh, no, sorry, it's all right. I'll just ask you to speak a bit louder and I'll see if I can hear it. <laughs> I'll just see if I can get any louder for you. but no, um, it's, not, it's not working, guys. I can't really understand it. Sorry. No. Okay. If we. What we'll do is we'll go for the uh, questions from the message board if you can hear me. So, uh, any plans to revamp halftime entertainment as it's been the same for years, says any, Vinny. Any, any plans for what, sorry? Revamping halftime entertainment. Revamping halftime entertainment, was that? Yeah, as it's been the same for years, says Vinny on the message board. Sorry, was, was it revamping half-time entertainment? Yes, it was. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yes, there, there are. We, we, we're still going to give kids the chance to come on as part of their 
uh, as part of the, the, the groups and the schools and the local football clubs and groups that we're targeting who we want to introduce to the club. So we're still going to give the kids a chance to um, take penalties against the club mascots. But the commercial team are, are close now to getting an agreement with a, with, with a local company that will allow us to do try and get some supporter engagement, both from uh, visiting supporters and our own supporters, and do some kind of skills challenge at uh, half-time uh, with a bit of fun element so that for those people that uh, it, it just will be a little bit more engagement as well as watching the uh, the young kids taking penalties. So we're, we're hoping that that will be introduced within the next two or three home games. OK, well, we'll just uh, skip a couple and go to this one from Fish, who said that uh, he's anxious to promote the merits of sponsoring the women's uh, team at Orient. Uh, and there was complaints that there was no sort of prices um, and contact. I really can't hear, I'm so sorry about this. I really can't hear you. Something about the women's team, I think. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's... Um, they're anxious to promote the merits uh, of sponsoring the women's team, says Fish, but there were no phone numbers or prices in the programme, um, so it made it difficult for people to know what the sponsorship deals were. OK, so if I got that correctly, it was about sponsoring the women, um, uh, individual players within the women's team, yeah. but there were no contact numbers or, or costs or details yeah. in the Correct. in the program or, or online, making it a bit difficult for people to make a decision and uh, as to whether they can support the ladies. Is that right? That's right. Okay. All right. That's uh, a massive over. Uh, we, we, you know, we've got that completely wrong, and we've overlooked that completely. We will. I'll take that on board, and we will get that corrected. You know, uh, straight away because. Um, we are, you know, we've got Eastill uh, have very kindly agreed to sponsor the shirts again for for, uh, for the women's shirt alongside the first team shirts, and we are looking for more engagement with the players. Uh, it is at a lower level than the first team to try and make it as affordable to as many people as possible, and we will make sure that we get that information up uploaded onto the website so that people can look at it, and we'll make sure that it's included in the next program fully. That's an oversight on our part and we will get that rectified. Okay, and just in closing, obviously the sad events last week, Mark, um, are the club making any representations to the EFL, perhaps, to change uh, the uh, rulings they've got at the moment regarding um, stopping play? Yeah, let me let me cover off a couple of things that fans might be uh, concerned about. So... We, we had to put we had to make representation as indeed did Lincoln City to the EFL as to uh, the game and what we thought was a fair outcome. It will come as no surprise to say that we we feel the the result of the game should stand. There were there were six minutes of normal time left. Um, uh, we we want to avoid fixture congestion. If the game has to be replayed at a later date, it may involve different personnel. It's very difficult to recreate the exact circumstances of the game last week. Um, that said, a personal opinion, I think the game will be ordered to replay the game uh, in full. Uh, at the EFL are making a, a, they have a board meeting tomorrow and we are advised that um, after the board meeting we will get uh, the result of their deliberations and we'll be told what the outcome of that is. Part of our representation to the EFL was that we feel that uh, the EFL should change the protocol, given the confusion that was caused. And it was clear to see, 
you know, the supporters concerned by coming on and actually actually trying to make a point by coming onto the field that there was a medical emergency going on and that they wanted the play to stop quite rightly. Um, we have said that we think they should relook at the protocol and that when there's a medical emergency in the crowd, wherever it may be in the crowd, it doesn't matter whether it affects the, the, the field of play or not, that there should be an instruction for the game to be halted whilst the medical emergency is being dealt with. So we have put that across in our representation. Excellent stuff. And uh, just uh, finally, you've got some uh, Campione soccer camps again coming up, haven't you? Sorry, could you say that one again, please? Yep. You've got some Campione soccer camps coming up? Um, I'm sorry. No, I don't, don't worry. I'm as frustrated as I am with this. I'm really struggling to hear you. Give it one more go. <laughs> Right, okay. The Campione Soccer Camps uh, yes. are taking place again, yeah. The Campione Soccer Camps, what about them, sorry? I said they're taking place again, are they not? Yes, they're, they're taking place for uh, various age groups during the um, half term. We, we've already got bookings on it and started promoting it across social media and so forth. So they are taking place again. Campione are a reputable firm that... Um, we, we haven't done UK soccer camps for, uh, I'm not quite sure why, but we haven't done them really uh, for the past few years. And I was keen to see them back in action. Not only, they're, they're, not, they're not particularly profitable. That isn't what they're about, really, to be honest with you. It's about us engaging with kids and their families, and it gives us, uh, the club, a platform to market the club uh, and get the kids and their families interested in Leighton Orient. And um, we, we need to be doing them in the local area. And, yes, they're... We, we plan to operate them at every school holiday, so they're definitely taking place during the October half-term and also taking place again during the Christmas holidays. OK, well, I'll tell you what, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. I know it's been difficult for you uh, to hear. We can hear you perfectly, and um, it's all coming out well this end, but obviously at that end you're not hearing it at all. So um, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. Perhaps, perhaps we can rearrange it and we'll do something on Teams so that we can, you know, because every time... I don't know whether I've got a dodgy phone or whatever, but whether it's... Yeah, let's blame you. Let's blame you. It's easier. Phone, it's <laughs> but very happy to look at... Uh, a different avenue because yeah. uh, I don't I don't want fans to think I'm trying to duck any issues. No, not at all. Thanks, uh, thanks for getting home in time to join us anyway, and uh, have a good rest of the evening, Mark. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, putting up with the crap line. That's all right, Todd. I mate. Bye bye. Right. Well, that was. Uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? It, um, it was. Uh, we got there in the end, but um, it's like a baked bean tin, isn't it? With a bit of string all the way to West London, I think. <laughs> but uh, there you go. Um, it's difficult because uh, we could hear him reasonably well here, and uh, all, you know our mics are working, so God, God knows what the um, problem is. But uh, there you go. Uh, we got there in the end and got some answers, and uh, I think it's interesting, uh, Terry, that. Um, they've made representations as regards changing the the law uh, that they've got in place at the moment for stopping matches. I'm not entirely in agreement with what they they've proposed, but I, I get where they're going, and I do think there's something's going to happen, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think just a bit of common sense needs to prevail. Um, it was obvious that it was so close to the pitch, wasn't it? And mm. all that wasn't like actually on the pitch and, and interfering the game physically we could all see what was going on when you're these guidelines are, are across the board so if you're in a 60,000 stadium 
he isn't going to really notice if you're a few no. rows back or whatever. No. Our ground obviously isn't that big. It holds 9,000. It's all very personal in there. I, you know, I, I could actually see, a lot of us could see what was going on. And I just think there that, that they've got to give, the, 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 the powers that be need to say to the ref, use your common sense. You can, like, if it had been right at the back of the stand, you go, all right, maybe you'd have got away with it. But this was in the lower tier. And I just think that they've got to give the refs the power and the lines to say, right, we can halt the game and we'll just take it from there. It's exactly what I was uh, going to say. That what you said is in a big stadium. If there's an incident, you know, God forbid, like that, up up in the top tier, then no one's really going to be other than the people in the very close proximity are going to be aware. And of course, these big stadiums have massive halls running behind, you know, walkways, etc. And I don't know if any of you have been unfortunate enough to have to do CPR. Unfortunately, I I, I have, and and it's very true that you need room. And so that's the thing you do need. I mean, I was lucky. Well, you know, it was a horrible situation, but the person was collapsed on their driveway. So that, you know, you, you had the room out there to, to work. And indeed, when the ambulance people came, they just said, you know, carry on, don't stop. And they until we tell you to get out of the way and they put all their equipment around the person and then said, right, when we say get out, just get out of the way. And then they leapt into action, unfortunately. Well, I mean, in the um, end, he was pitch yeah. side, wasn't he? Yeah, well, this is what we're saying. You know, you if someone's side, bought pitch yeah. side, you can't continue no, a game. I mean, no. God forbid the ball hits some, no. you know, them or the, one of the helpers as well. You know, I mean, it's a ridiculous situation. You do feel, you know, I, I, the, the problem is when you send out these diktats and you've got to do this and you've got, you're taking away common sense and, and, and judgment of a certain situation because... Every situation, you might say, oh, it's the same. It's not the same. Every, every situation is slightly different to another, and you've got to use your judgment and common well, sense. The, well, the ref got quite a bit of criticism, but I actually felt a bit sorry for him because well, he was actually following guidelines. Yeah, but, that's you what know, he was doing. Yeah. But, and that's where we go back to what we said. They've got to give him the right to say, no, we're going to stop the game. You shouldn't you know, people, the people that made these, the, these rules and guidelines, they're, they're not there. Sometimes no. you've got to be in the what's going to happen to know what's best to do. You what's going to happen to him? Nothing. You know, the, the guy is obviously in terrible distress and trouble. And he's it's, it's not someone who's, you know, you know, broken their wrist or something. It's just something really, really serious. And, uh, you know, I, I just I just feel that uh, all these things that are sent out at the moment are taken away the, the common sense of judgments from the officials. They're out there to, to um, officiate an event. And... You know, is, is, is it me, Gareth? Or, I mean, is it just totally wrong that they've all got to follow this uh, regardless of what happens? No, I, th- I, think, I think you're absolutely spot on, Andy. I'll be honest with you. And that was exactly what I was saying. I, was, I'm at, I actually sit in the East End, so I wasn't that far away from the incident. And the thing that got me was Theo Archibald recognised almost instantly what was happening and tried to alert the linesman. And the linesman basically had to ignore him because the protocol says you shouldn't attract the attention of players. And it's, the whole point is, protocols are guidelines and guidance. And you're absolutely right. If somebody falls over and they broke the wrist or they've got a bump or a bruise, that's a different situation than what we had on Tuesday night. And you have to empower people, not, not hinder them, to, to use judgment mm. and common sense. And I think that's where the problem was. And I'm with Terry. I felt the same. I was very critical of the referee when I got home. It was heightened emotions, etc. But when I thought about it, it's like, what, what's the poor guy supposed to do? You know, it's like it's an unprecedented situation. He went to referee a football match. You know, he was expecting some stick off the crowd. He wasn't expected to have to make a call. Yeah, a life and death situation. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's obviously and even in that situation, if he had foreseen that sort of thing, he wasn't. You know, wouldn't be thinking, well, I'll have to stick to the letter of the rules, uh, yeah. or otherwise I might lose my job. Here. Well, unfortunately. 
unfortunately, you, yeah. any any sort of tragedy normally leads to rule changes. You know, whether that's yeah. the, the King's Cross fire or whatever, you know, uh, or, or, or Grenfell or, or something. You know, you know, like this where crowd safety or crowd crowd problems. There's always a change to laws or way things. And I think the EFL have got to, you know. Get, get down and get this sorted out very quickly. You know, you're talking about millions of people attending football over the course of a season. Unfortunately, these things are going to happen uh, by law of averages. Um, and you have to have a system in place that's safe for everybody. And as I say, you know, horses for courses, when you've got a lower division grounds, it's more likely these people are going to be taken to the pitch side because they haven't got the the, the walkways etc behind the you know within the stands that the big clubs have got so uh, say so you've got to use your judgment and, and and go from there i mean as regards the match being replayed i i don't think they can they can expect to get away with the three points can they with six minutes plus stoppage time left i mean a one nil terry no, if, if the game had been 3-0, then you go, I think we'd have had a chance, 1-0. Yeah. And listen, you always have to look at it from the other person's view. If if that was us losing 1-0 with six minutes plus probably another five, six, uh, yeah. we, would, we wouldn't be very happy if the game was awarded to the other mob. So I, 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 it's not, look, there's no perfect answer to this. I think replays is, is what's going to happen. Yeah, Terry's right. It's a hard one because both sides are going to have different opposing views, you know, and maybe if it was a draw at the time, maybe it'd be easy to just call it a draw. Obviously, it wasn't. It was one nil with six minutes to play plus whatever's added on in injury time. But yeah, it's just the nature of yeah, it is pretty complex and complicated. Yeah. So it, Good point that about if it had been level. We'll yeah, see, you know, uh, didn't think of that, but I think both sides may well have gone, yeah, okay, leave it at that. But and somebody made a suggestion, but I mean, like it, the more you thought about it, first of all, you read it and you thought, that's not a bad idea. And the more you thought about it, you thought, that's a bad idea. Um, he said, well, why don't we play the final six minutes plus Dovish time before the kickoff at Lincoln? Right. If well, I suppose it saves the travel costs for Lincoln and uh, and set up and playing another game and all the the costs involved in that for Orient. But of course, a you won't not have the same personnel. B if we're Orient and we're kicking off and we're one nil up and we let a goal in, and we, you know, we end up only getting a one one. Our mental state now for the new game has gone down. Woe betide they scored twice with Lincoln in, in the 10 minutes and we lose. Now we're kicking off again. We've already lost a game that we were winning. So that's not going to work. You know, yeah, that's no, not going to work. I just think either way, it's just, it's, it's just quite impractical for really anything, isn't it? If they yeah. want to replay the last six minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it may be. If you're looking at it from the rule setters and what can happen, it's unfortunately maybe some would say that it looks like it's just going to have to be replayed and yeah. obviously you and the club what do they do now because Jaden once the second half starts there's no refunds right as as, as by, the, by the rules after 45 minutes if you play start the second half that's it so people have had 84 minutes and Orient have got the, the cost of putting on another game well, that's it, yeah. and so all these season ticket holders do they have to pay to get in maybe they, they can do what they do when when there's an international week and they have, the, the, they have a reduced rate, don't they, when we have our retro sort of weekends. Yeah, uh, good idea. That, that's probably, the, as I say, there's, there's no perfect answer to this, so you've got to look at lesser evils. Now, if they do a reduced like, admission fee for everyone, I think people would understand that and it makes sense. Well, they've got costs to cover, haven't they? Exactly, yeah. and if it covers most of the cost, then, you know, fair enough, but I don't think you can ask people to pay full whack again, surely. Well, we don't know the cost, do we, Gareth? I mean, that's that's the fact, is we don't know how much it costs Orient to put on a football match, especially what will now be an evening match with floodlights, etc. You know, so, I mean, that's 
you know, it's a lot of money. No, abso- absolutely. Um, one of the ideas that me and the missus had, actually, was perhaps they could uh, encourage a charitable donation. But then again, you know, that's not factoring the cost the club have to cover. No. I mean, you've, I think... As, as almost callous as it sounds, you've got to almost treat it like a weather intervention. You know, so mm. a game was snowed off in the second half or something like that, and yeah. what would happen in it's the same. That What I would say, though, it's another classic indictment of the AFL that we're now <laughs> sitting Wednesday, over a week later, and, you know, the simple answer was to say, well, OK, it would be nice to consult and give you what you want, but actually the answer is you have to replay the game. When you know, it, that seems to just, me... Just saying with the cost of it, I would imagine that when we do... Is it £10 for an adult and £5 for a child when we have them special like, weekends? That probably does cover the the club put that on because it covers the cost of it. Yeah, you would imagine. So maybe. Well, say maybe the thing is, the the game on Tuesday night was one of them nights, wasn't it, where it was a uh, tenner for adults, and maybe it's just oh, a it? case of doing that again. that again. So again, just yeah. maybe repeat it, and that kind of sorts yeah. everything out. Perhaps maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an unenviable uh, position for for them to be in. Let's move on to the weekend and uh, Gareth predictions. Um. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it always looks like a tough game to go all the way to Carlisle, and that always feels like a tough challenge. But they were promoted via the playoffs last season, so the other side of logic would dictate this is a team we should be able to handle. So, having said all that, and sounding slightly optimistic, I expect it to be a draw. I think it'd be a one-one draw, to be honest. So. Jaden, uh, if I'm being honest, I think you've got to go into this game if you're Wellens and you're in the squad thinking that there's a real possibility of winning the game because we're on a good wave of form right now. Uh, Carlisle did pick up a really good result away at Bolton um, on yeah, Saturday, did, winning there they? with over yeah. 4,000 travelling fans. So that obviously they're going to have a lot of confidence as well coming into the fixture off the back of that. But I think maybe I'll step my, stick my neck on the line here and say I just generally, if you look at last season, I thought Carlisle were a bit lucky to be promoted. I don't think they were that good a team. Of course, now I'm going to be a Jonah and it's going to, we're going to lose 3 or 4-0. But uh, no, I'm, I'm quite optimistic. I'd say 2-1, 3-1 Oh, OK. Terence? <laughs> well, um, blow my own trumpet. I oh, you, correctly. Oh, you're going to score, are you? 2-1 against Reading <laughs> yeah. uh, last weekend. I will stick with the same form. We're going to go 2-1 the O's again. Yeah, and I mean, I think we should be bouncing along because we've just beaten a side that were two divisions apart from us last season. So I think we've got to look at it that way. They were playing championship football. We were in League Two and we've beaten them. So regardless of their problems, we should take heart from that and be very confident taking on Carlisle that we at least come away with something. I do actually think we get a point. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks uh, to uh, Mark Devlin under difficult circumstances joining us too. Have a great week and uh, let's hope we're celebrating a win next time round. Ta-ta, everyone. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And nowhere we can be found. When Saturday comes again. We'll be trying to do our best. To cheer all those on who wear the vest. This is our club, we are proud So sing it up, sing aloud We were formed in 1881 The claps and orient had so begun The old story on it runs We're late and orient from E10 Whatever challenges come our way The orient faithful are here to stay Yeah!
Yeah, you know where we can be found 